One's from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lime. Living, loving, laughing. We're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up, really ain't no crime. Living, loving, laughing. We're having a good time. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay. And I'm here in my hotel in Las Vegas. I'm looking out at a hotel right now with a lot of multicolored stuff on it. I think that's part of the hotel I'm staying in, but I don't know what's happening with it. And the pool is being redone right now, so I can't get in the pool. And it's February, so not a good time for the pool even in Las Vegas. But I'm here doing shows at the Jimmy Kimmel Comedy Club, and I'm here with my friend, longtime friend, Evan Burke. Dusty Slay. Pleasure pleasure to be here with you, man. Uh, very exciting. Very exciting. Evan, yeah. uh, one of my oldest friends, but one of my oldest friends in comedy, and uh, we started doing comedy together around 2008 mm-hmm. uh, at a bar called The Upper Deck. Upper Deck Tavern, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, right above Gilroy's, which notoriously is known in Charleston as the uh, the pizza joint, where if you go there and uh, and you're a woman and you flash them, you'll get a free pizza. So, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, very well. Yeah, I tell you what, I I can tell you what they don't like is when you go in there drunk and yell at them. I've done that several times, <laughs> and they do not care for that. Yeah, that that, that place is. Uh, Oh, man, some memories in Gilroy's freshman year of college. Because I went to college in Charleston, you know, so yes. I, I knew all about these little weird things that uh, that the college freshmen could do and get away with, you know. Oh, yeah. That was one of them. Well, I ate a lot of Gilroy's, and uh, that's uh, contributed to some weight gain that I had for a period. And there was also the pita pit there, which uh, I... I've the bubba. I have a joke where I talk about falling asleep eating a burrito uh, in bed, and waking up with a huge stain around the burrito. But it wasn't a burrito. It was a Philly cheesesteak pita from the pita pit. I never ate pita pit again after that. The stain of grease on my <laughs> mattress was so huge. I was like, I can't do it. I loved pita pit. But that pita pit was different than all the other pita pits. Like pita pit is a chain. There's many around the country. But that Charleston pita pit felt like it had uh, you know, seceded yeah. from the rest of the pita pits. And was like, you know what? We don't want to do what y'all are doing. That was a rough little section right there. Yeah. Was the upper deck always smelled like urine and uh, and incense. Mm-hmm. And then it had the bathroom door would not lock. And I walked in on a guy pooping in there one day. And, uh, and so I moved right across the street so that if I had to poop, I could go home. Yeah, we would. I mean, there were times mid mic, I think we would just go back to your place and kick it for a bit. Yeah. You know? Very convenient. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, and, you know, and I was drinking a lot back then, so I wasn't really present at the mic a lot. So, First time I ever did comedy, I was supposed to do five minutes. I think I was 18 minutes into my set, and I was like, I don't think Dusty's here anymore. Yeah, I was probably <laughs> at the bar doing shots, getting getting wasted in there, going, I, I this think is I, going well, I think huh? I still have that video of the first set I ever did, and I think I did 18 minutes wow. of just 
no jokes, just stories. That could be a record. First time ever doing comedy, doing 18 minutes right out of the gate. Some people are still building up to that much time. Right. You came right out of the gate. Right. Well, we're here in Vegas, but let's go ahead and do the where we've been, where we're going segment. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they going. Where they been. Where they going. Where, where they been. Where we're going, where we've been. Okay, so last week... I was in Seattle, Washington. First time ever being in Seattle. I went to a comedy club called Laughs. And I got picked up by the owner of the club. He was driving me. We had a great time. We were looking. You were driving down the interstate looking at the, the Seattle Seahawks Stadium, the the uh, whatever the baseball team, the Mariners. Mariners. Uh, looking at that, taking it in, looking on the other side, seeing a bunch of people camping in the woods. Just lots of people camp in Seattle. It's amazing. So many tents. And really an outdoor are, are, are you sure they're camping? I mean, yeah, I mean, they are camping. And... Uh, and it was, but it was really nice. And then we uh, we got to the club. I did my first show, uh, really great show. There was six comics on before I got on stage. And you know, a typical club, you're going to have a host, feature, headliner. And there were six people on the show before me. And I don't like that. And they were all very dirty. I don't like, but they were funny. They were funny comics. And then, so I got up, great set, incredible club. The audience was amazing. It really was. I had a really wonderful set. And then second show, I went, uh, now this story all ends well. Uh, so I'm not bashing them, but I am going to tell what happened. And uh, so I go, um, second show, there's more, you know, there's less people on the club uh, or on the show, but they're doing more time. So I go to the manager and I think the owner, and I think he's had a rough day. He was not very happy apparently. And in the end, we made up. But he, I went to him and I was like, hey, you think we could you know, possibly do less people on the show? And he freaks out on me. I mean, he is, he's like, this is my club. I'm going to run my club how I want to. And I was like, okay, dude, yeah, no problem. And, uh, and then he comes into the showroom, yells at me some more. And I'm there with my friend, another friend from Charleston, Timmy Booth. I and, love Timmy Booth. Yeah, Great Timmy comedian. Booth is just hiding his face while this is happening. And I'm like, he's yelling at me like I'm in school. And I'm like, listen, it's fine, dude. And then, so, well, was Timmy Booth one of the comics on the lineup? He was on the first one. Yeah. So you were trying to get your your own friend kicked off yeah, the show. I'd get them all kicked off. I could. <laughs> and uh, and then, um, so after that, I go. I just go back to my hotel. Very nice hotel. It's a place called the Graduate. Very nice. And. You know, it was fine, and then the next day, I, I, well, the next day I went to downtown Seattle. They took me to uh, my friend uh, Haley, uh, and her boyfriend um, took me to um, downtown Seattle to a place called uh, Pike Place, which is, you know, Seattle is where Starbucks is from. I went to the original Starbucks. Wow. And they, Did you get coffee there? I didn't. I just walked in. Was it really crowded? Is it always yeah, like it really crowded? Packed. Yeah. And the coffee that I always get at Starbucks is Pike Place, and that's what it's named after. Is this place? And we went in. We had some. We had some seafood, and um, and I went to a map store. I bought a couple of maps. We got we got four maps hanging in our house. Oh, now. nice, nice. And so that night, I get back to the club, uh, and. Me and the owner, we barely talked to each other. Like I was like, it still felt weird. So then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, the show started, and I'm watching a little bit of it. And the host comes by, and I ask him, and I say, 
hey, do you know what time the show started? Because I just want to know what time to end. So I'm like, do you know what time the show started? And the owner just pops up out of nowhere, and he is snappy with me. He's like, it started at 8.05, and he just starts going into a thing, and I'm like, hey. you know. And then we argue with each other a little bit. (laughs) And then eventually I go, listen, man, I was like, I'm not trying to take over the show. I'm not trying to take over the club. All I want is for this show to be the best that it can possibly be. I was like, I love the club. Yeah, and six comedians or however many comedians before, you know, it, yeah. it can be by the time you get on, they're tired. Yeah. No more laughs. And I, I was like, I love the club. I, I, I love, uh, you know, being here. These audiences have been amazing, and they were. So I was like, I'm not trying to take over the show. I You hired me, and I just want to make sure that I do my best job. And then, you know, I felt like, and I told him how much I love the club, and, and I, was tr- I, was, uh, I was being truthful. And after that, it really changed. And then we were friends again. And um, and then I had two great shows. The audiences in that place really were amazing. I yeah. mean, I was ready to be like, uh, do a podcast about how I hated it. But it was great. It was fantastic. I couldn't hate it. Right. I mean, but when he was yelling at me, I was thinking, well, this could be an interesting podcast. But, you know, I, I, I'll be happy to go back. And he was, you know ready to recommend me to clubs all over the country. And so I had a great time there. Laughs, great club in Seattle. So if you're in the area, go check it out. Go watch it. And then what about you, Evan? Where were you at last week? So last week I was in um, I was in Long Beach, California. All right. So I um, – The LBC. The LBC. So I had a show on, on Wednesday night in Long Beach um, at a place called K-Sara, Q-U-E-S-E-R-A. Really cool spot in Long Beach. Sounds hip. Super hip. Very dive bar-ish. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of, you know, kind of the places that we did, you know, back in the South and South Carolina. Amazing, amazing lineup and just one of the best put-together shows I've done. I mean, um, packed crowd. And you can tell that it's a weekly show and every week people show up to the show um, to laugh and they get a lot of great comics from LA that drive down. Um, and yeah, I mean people with specials and albums and that have done a lot of stuff and, um, yeah, no great, great shows. I did, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a great set, had a great set. Um, and then, so that was Wednesday. And then that Saturday I had another show in long beach at a, at a great club that I've played multiple times. It's called the federal, uh, right in downtown Long Beach, um, it, it's an old, used to be a bank, um, hence the name The Federal, and downstairs, great uh, performance space for music, for comedy, and they really, the great thing about it is the the club really prioritizes the comedy shows, and they really set the room up uh, so that it is a, su- a success for the people putting it on. Um, I hosted that show. Hot um, show. You know the the and it's funny because I, I I guess I initially wasn't supposed to be on the show, but then the producer texted me about a week before was like, "Hey, I'm doing this show. Um, do you want to come host?" And we talk about this all the time. Like I love hosting comedy shows. Uh, I always have. A lot of comics do not like hosting comedy shows. I hate it. I only like it if it's my own show. I love to host my own show. Like I just I love hosting other people's shows. Like I love being the host because for me hosting. A lot of people feel a lot of pressure when they host. I, for me, it's the opposite. I feel, I feel like my only job is positive energy, sell drinks, and if you can be funny, 
great. And if not, just do those other two things. Yeah, it's a real lost art hosting. I think that hosting is uh, – it can be really fun because you really – Kind of, uh, you can kind of k- take control of the show. It can be your show. As a, that's why it's a, when it's my own show, not like a weekend at a club, but my own show at Zany's. I like to host it, yeah, because it feels like all right. I like to host. I like to headline because I feel like I'm really a part of the show, and then I'm showcasing my friends. Hundred percent. And for me, it's it's one of those things where. Um, you know, the host is typically on stage more than anyone. You see their face more than anyone. Um, and, you know, I always like to have like a little theme when I host, like a little thread that I that I do. And so for this show in particular, you know, everyone at the show was from Long Beach, California, born and raised. Right, someone had asked. And so I was like, why are y'all all still here? Like, do you love Long Beach? And they were like, yeah, we love Long Beach. And they And I was like, what's so great about Long Beach? And for like, Two minutes straight, everyone just kept throwing out things that they loved about What's Long the Beach. They loved? Oh, they were like, the food is amazing. They were like, it's right by the water. The people are so nice. Um, you know, there's not as much traffic. Rent's cheaper than L.A. And so I ended up just being life. like, I was like, are we at a comedy show or a Long Beach pep rally? I mean, what's happening Sounds here? Like a pep rally, yeah. Um, but I ended up, I kept telling people throughout the whole night that I planned on moving to Long Beach and I would go up on stage and be like, do any of y'all have an extra room in your apartment? Multiple people raised their hands. Um, so I just, you know, I, I really, you know, I really took the approach like, man, I love Long Beach. Happy to be here. And it was a great show. Great show. Great comics. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I was. That's where I was last week. The LBC. Um, right. Home of Snoop Dogg and Sublime. Boom. Love it. All right. So now where we're going, normally this is going to be on a Friday when this comes out. So normally I would say we're going to be in Las Vegas, but we're in Las Vegas right now. Yes, we are. And we're um, we're doing Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club, which we did one show last night. It was a hot show. I mean, I've been told that now who knows what the rest of the weekend holds. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I've been told that, you know, Vegas audiences can be uh, a can be difficult, can be. Not that fun, but last night was an amazing show. The club treated us really well, and uh, you know, I, I started off with a joke about ticks, and uh, people loved it. Yeah, no, I had a I had a great time last night. This is my first time performing in Las Vegas. This is also my first time, you know, featuring for yeah. you in a long time. Yeah, and Evan is, you know, fairly new to the uh, featuring on the club scene. He does a lot of stuff around L.A. and he's done stuff in New York and now. But typically, know. I'm on a lineup with a bunch of other comics, yeah. or again, I'm producing a show where I'm the host and and I'm, you know, yeah. But yeah, it was it it's was an exciting time because learning to do all these things it's very exciting mm-hmm. and 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 it's like uh, you know i remember starting to feature and it's so great it's such a good journey you know but it can be full of you know because people you know at least at this point my picture is on the on the marquee there i'm you know my picture was at the end the bus stop they're doing it right i, I mean, mean you are every we i mean we have not gone outside of this hotel walk the block without seeing Dusty's face somewhere. Yeah, I mean, my face is all over Vegas right now. And so when when I come out, the people are like, well, this is who we came to see. We know he's going to be funny, right? Now, I could still drop the ball, but with featuring, they don't know. They don't know your name. They haven't seen you. You come out. You got to earn you got to earn it from them. Yeah, and it was it was definitely, you know, I I you know, I I had a moment at the top of my set where it was very surreal 
to be in Vegas at Jimmy Kimmel's club featuring for you. And I, and I told you this. I tried not to think about it before the show because I didn't want to like psych myself out. I wanted to just treat it like it was any other show. Uh, but the moment I got out there on stage, all of those emotions hit me. And I had a really weird first minute, very weird first minute on stage. Um, you know, but I was very much able to recover. I was able to, you know, refine uh, my groove and my rhythm. Uh, and at the end of the day, I felt like I uh, set the crowd up for you to come out there and rock it, which you did. You were fantastic last night. Well, thank you. And, you know, but so much of that is, um, you know, when you feel like that you've lost the audience, you, you just have to stay in there and you have to trust the jokes, you know. And and that's what I like this podcast to be about is like this whole learning experience of comedy because, you know, sometimes you go out and the audience is not into you. And it's like you can panic, you can freak out, you can go, oh, no, they don't like these jokes. And you can get in your head and be like, well, if they don't like this joke, then they're definitely not going to like this next joke. And see, in my head, unless I have three or four in a row that flop – I'm always like, all right, they didn't like this one, but they're going to like this next one. And it's like maintaining the confidence level while you have hundreds of people in the audience judging you going, what's he doing? We paid money for this. What's he doing? You got to stay in the pocket, make it happen. And that's exactly what I did. And and for me, it was, um, you know, I was talking backstage with, with our host, uh, Jocelyn, who, who was great. Tons of fun to hang out with. Great comedian. Yes. Um, and and she, she asked me a question, actually, where she was like, is there a moment where you realized, you know, you're, you're not an imposter. You're actually you belong doing comedy. And I told her, you know, I've been doing some sets at the comedy store in Los Angeles in the original room. And those sets have been going very, very well. Um, and I was like, you know, that was a moment. But I said, you know what? It's funny you asked me that now because I feel like tonight – was one of those moments because I went out there, um, had a really, really weird first minute, but then I brought it. I reset the room. I reset my own momentum, and I was able to dig myself out of a hole, and not the kind of hole where I offended the audience, but a hole where I, you know, I, I overhyped myself, or I, um, you know, and so for me, it was a very enlightening moment that's like just trust your material don't overthink it because that's what i did i went with my material and all and and it all went well well yeah you got to and yes jocelyn is great and you know i feel like that uh lots of times like lots of times i have new moments uh that where where it's revealed to me that like all right i'm doing this i'm that you know but it's still you know like just standing out there outside of the club last night and my face kept popping up out there it's still like, I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, and my name's been on things, my face has been on things, and it's still it's still fun to see. Yeah. And let's go ahead and jump to the next week, because yeah. we'll be doing some shows together yeah. again next week. Now, if you've been looking at my calendar, we, we did have some changes. I think the Valentine's Day holiday has really kind of changed some of the shows that I'm doing in Pasadena. But I don't think they realize they booked you on Valentine's yeah, Day. I don't know. So there is no Thursday show next week. And But I'll be at Pasadena. Me and Evan both will be on a larger lineup of comics. Mm. Really uh, good comics. Yeah. on fr- yeah, Tony Hinchcliffe. Mary Lynn Ratzka. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some others. Those are the names off the top of my head. And then Saturday, I'll be headlining two shows. Evan will be featuring for me. And Laura Peak will be the host of those shows. So it's going to be a hot lineup. It's going to be really good. So if you're in the area, come check out those shows. Ice House is a great 
great club. It is really fun. I did one show at the Ice House, and they laughed so much that I felt like they were laughing at me. And I'm still not sure they weren't. But, <laughs> but so that's it. That's where we've been, where we're going. And now we'll get into... Uh, you know, talking about some just some old comedy stuff, and then we're gonna I'm gonna read off a couple more bombing stories. And if Evan has a bombing story that he'd like to share, I mean, last night was almost one. Luckily, I don't have one from last night, but I've got yeah. a couple good bombing stories. Yeah, I mean, you know, so we started. We've already talked about the upper deck a little bit, but we started. Um, I remember I had done comedy a couple of times uh, at Theater 99, and I was setting an upper deck, drinking one night, and I was telling someone I was like. What we need is an open mic every week in Charleston. And I was sitting right next to the owner of the Upper Deck, and I had no idea. And he goes, right here, every Monday. So they have an open mic, but I just started showing. No one was hosting it. The mic was just open. So I just started showing up and hosting it. And we really turned it around, and it was we had a really great time. Uh, a lot of people started there. I mean, you know. Um, well, yeah. I think about some of the people that were there that are now doing things. You got you know, obviously you, um, um, Mitch Burrow. Mitch Burrow was yeah. at the Upper Deck many times. Yeah, um, you know Derek Humphrey. Yeah. Um, was there uh, quite a bit. Andy Ryder, Andy who's Ryder, now out yeah. in L.A. Did Andy? I don't know if Andy Ryder ever did the Upper Deck. Did I he? thought he did. Yeah, Maybe he did. He was doing the Upper Deck, and then. Um, David Appleton, Apples, who lives mm-hmm. out in Denver now, he he started doing comedy there. Uh, Jason Gross didn't start there, but he was there all the time. He did a lot of stuff there. Nick Donito, Nick Donito was yeah. there all the time. Miles, always bringing his friends. Yeah, Miles Hutto, Miles Hutto, Miles Armstrong. Yeah, and also you know Charlie, um, Charlie Williams, Charlie Williams. Yeah, yeah. to Chicago. I think yeah. she's still doing some Sarah comedy. Porter. Sarah Porter. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a really great the, – the thing The thing that was great about Big the – Big Ike. Big Ike, yeah. yeah. The, the thing that was great about the yeah, – Some of these people aren't really doing Greg, anything Big, Greg, Big Daddy Patterson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the great thing that, about the Upper Deck was um, it was the perfect combination of supportive and hostile. Yes. Yes, I mean, it was a very hostile environment. Some, You know, it was so hostile in there that when I would – I would go in not even with really any jokes prepared because I just felt like all I was going to do was wrangle with the audience. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I would show up, and the place would be full, and people would be paying attention. Yeah. And it would make me nervous because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what to do now. Right. Well, the, And I also say this about Charleston a lot, and it's not just comedy. It's really anything, music, arts, creative. Charleston is a great place to be bad at this thing that you know you want to be good at someday. And you can feel like you have the freedom to be bad and no one's really judging you yet. You're not yes. being counted out in your field yet. You you have the freedom to really explore, to figure it out, to get good. Yeah. But you're allowed to be not great. So, yes. So you know? this is so a lot of people know that Evan did his first comedy at the Upper Deck. Upper Deck, you were hosting, yep. But people may not know that Evan took me on my first road gig. Very he exciting. He was president of his fraternity in Charleston, mm-hmm. and he got us connected with another fraternity in... William and Mary. William, William and Mary, Mary College, where, Virginia. Where is that? Williamsburg, Virginia? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... We had a gig. I was going to headline. Evan was featuring, yep. and uh, he, he we drove up there. And th- who's the guy? Matt. Uh, Matt. He came and saw you yes, recently. Yeah, I don't remember his last name, but Matt was his name. Yeah. And he 
he booked us there, and we were going to stay with them at the frat house. Yeah. And I had already quit drinking. I had not quit drinking long, but I had quit drinking. So we, you know, we load up in in Evan's uh, SUV. I don't remember yeah. what it was that you had. Nissan Pathfinder. Nissan Pathfinder. Yeah. Yeah. And we cruised on up there. Great. It was a great time. And and I was I was always putting the cart before the horse a little bit. You know, like I knew I wanted to do comedy. Knew I wanted to be good. Knew I could put on a show, and so I basically convinced these people, hey, let me come do a show. And then when they actually were like, yeah, come do a show, I was like, how am I going to do this show? Yeah. And so, you know, and you were doing really great stuff at the time, and and anyone who knows me knows that I've been, you know, preaching you and your potential and what I saw for a long time. And so I was always like, man, anytime someone booked me for a show – I was like, you're also booking Dusty, basically. Yeah, the two it. of us are going to show up. We both bring something different to the table, but we showed up, and you this know, was 2012. This would have been two th- or maybe 11, something like that. I quit drinking. I quit drinking in 2012. Okay, so, so 2012. Yeah, 2012. And we show up, and you know, we we didn't necessarily plan. You know, we decided, listen, we're just going to go. We're going to have a good time, and. We're going to crash wherever they kind of put us. Initially, they told us, you know, we've got a frat house. You can sleep here yeah, at so, the frat house. And well, we, we do the show. We did the show, and the show was great. I mean, we, we – Really um, great show. Uh, you know, I remember having some jokes. Uh, I forget what one of the jokes were, but I was talking about something something work-related. You were doing a lot of waiting tables jokes. And the audience gave me no reaction. I was like, oh, you guys have never – Worked in your life, really worked, <laughs> yeah. and people were basically like, "No, we haven't. We have no idea what you." But the but You're overall, talking to the Jewish fraternity, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, the show, yeah. I mean, Jewish fraternity. Here right. I am out there talking about cutting grass, and you know what I mean. And uh, but it was great, and so we, we made go. Little money. We made we made we made some good money. I don't want to say how much we made, but we made really good money. Um, and and at the same time, the whole goal was for. You know, to raise money for the fraternity's philanthropic efforts, and they were able to donate quite a bit of money as well. Um, but then after the show, they threw a huge party at their frat house where we were supposed to be sleeping. Yeah, and I'm not drinking, right? So I'm like, Dusty's not we're gonna drinking. Sleep right? on the couch, and there's a huge party there in our honor, basically. Yeah. Like they're all like, everyone's like. The comedians are coming back to hang out at the house. We should all go back and hang out at the house. Yeah, and I mean, I'm 30. and, and uh, Meanwhile, this is my dream. I'm like, yes. Yeah, I'm 30. I'm at this college party. Everybody's drinking. I, don't feel, I didn't feel old, but I was definitely like, I don't know what I'm doing here. So the guy that put on the show, Matt, yeah. Matt came to us and said, if you want to crash at our apartment, you can. So we were like, perfect. Yeah, so let's get out of here. So they gave us the keys. They said, you can, we got two couches in the living room. You can just sleep there. So we were like, we got out of there. Yeah, quit. and we got back, and it was a really nice apartment, uh, really great couches. We got we got set up. Um, I mean, we you know we, we were tired. We were a little tired, so we – We got down into our underwear. Underwear. We got in our sleeping yeah. bags. We got, you know, we got loose. We had yeah. – we got mellow up yeah, in yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we, we, uh, you know, we were prepared to uh, really watch a movie and giggle. Basically, I mean, is kicked, what I'm saying. Yeah, we we were eating some back. snacks. We got in the moment, and yeah. we, we put on blazing saddles, yeah. and we were like, and Man. we were just cozy. And not only that, we were so stoked on the money we made. I'm pretty sure we took pictures of it. Like we laid yeah. it out, and we're just like we because it was cash money. Yeah. We got it immediately. We actually put this movie on with the intention of just drifting passing off out. to sleep. Just passing it on. So we're 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 just kicking. I mean, like we we could not be more comfortable and more excited, right? And then all of a sudden, 
the door opens. Yeah. The door opens and loud, loud. Yeah. These, you know, Matt and his roommate walk in and with him, they each have a, a female companion. Yeah. So they have two ladies with them. And they and came in loud and excited and drunk. And, and, and I was thinking, I bet they forgot that they let us crash here and they brought a couple of girls back with them. And I'm thinking, no. They were like, guess who's at our place? Those comedians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Evan has the positive outlook. I have the, oh, geez, I forgot we let these people crash here. So they just come in, and they sit down on the couch. So we have to, like, get up. Now, we, in, keep in mind, we're in our underwear. Yeah. We got to put our shirts back on. We were also very close to, like, falling asleep. Like, not like because think about it. Not only did we just do the show, we also drove to the show that morning and afternoon yeah so we had a whole day of driving we got to william and mary we just remember we walked around a little bit we took some pictures we explored the campus oh yeah we had time to kill we, we grabbed dinner somewhere we had time to kill before the show so we we had had a day we were like tired yeah and so i just remember like both of us were about to pass out they walk in and it was that kind of thing where like they just inserted themselves onto the couch right, right next to us. And uh, I, I felt like, at first, I felt like, okay, well, they'll just chill for a minute, and then they'll either go to their bedrooms or they'll take off. And they stayed that whole movie. We had to watch that whole, whole movie. movie. I didn't even want to watch that. In an upright position, like I was passing out. And then, uh, but then we went to sleep. Went to sleep. But yeah. it was like, it was just the most awkward thing because I was not, I was in a state of mind of like, well, this is weird now. Yeah, and like as the as the as the you know let's call it the producer of the show or the you know your you know maybe we should have gotten a hotel room, but at the same time I think we both of us rather would have just had that money, had a really weird yeah, night. Hundred percent. I and, mean, nowadays yeah. I'm getting the hotel. Right. I'm not. I'm not crashing on the couch, or I would have got up and just been like, "Listen, guys, right. we got to go to sleep here." But so that this was happened. still very new to us, you know. So that was our first road gig. Yeah. First road gig, you know, and I had already quit drinking by the time I did that. So after that, we did um, we did Seaside. Or did we do your so, synagogue so in we Atlanta? Did, no, so we did my synagogue in Atlanta after. What we did after that was we – I believe we did Jerry Farber's. Okay. Well, we, we, we did your synagogue first because that's where we met Jerry Farber. Oh, you're right. You're right. So we did do my synagogue, and that's where we met Jerry Farber. Yeah, we did Evan's childhood synagogue, where his family still goes. Yeah, my temple. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then we and we were doing comedy there. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it was Evan, me, and then Jerry Farber headlined. And we, I really thought Jerry Farber was hilarious. I had not seen a lot of comedy, and I had never seen Jerry Farber, and I was blown away by this. I mean, he was playing piano. He was doing parody songs. (laughs) He had. He had posters of him on Maxim covers. Like he had a whole yeah, old school Photoshop. Like. Yeah, and then so he invited. He us. had a companion with a monkey. Yeah. Jo- oh yeah. Johnny, Johnny Perazzi did the yeah. piano. And yeah. then he had the companion with the monkey. And, uh, Bobby Gold or something. Yeah. yeah. And then and then we, so he invited us to do so. Our first club that we ever did was Jerry Farber's Side Door, which is now the Punchline yeah. in Atlanta, their new location. And we. Yeah, we did a show there in front of, uh, you know, basically our family. Our family, friends. There were some, a few people there. And I have a little anecdote about that, which is funny. I did, a, I did like the Laughing Skull in Atlanta like maybe three or four years ago, one of their open mics. I invited a friend out. He came. He brought a couple of friends. Apparently, that same friend and his friends were at our shows at Jerry Farber's. 
and he revealed to me that I wasn't good at those Jerry Farber shows, oh, apparently, yeah. in his opinion. So he was like, man, you've really gotten better. Like, I was at those shows you did at Jerry Farber's, and woof. I was like, yeah, well, you know what? What were you doing at that time? Yeah, well, that's what <laughs> always happens when you do something better than what you did before. You real Like, my uh, haircut when I met my wife, uh, she tells me later that she hated that haircut. A lot of people actually told me they hated that haircut, but I don't care. I liked it when I had my slick back haircut. I still liked it. You had the Rachel Maddow. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I guess I did. Uh, but yeah, we did Jerry Farber's, which was great, you know, and it was great just to, um, you know, and again, a, a lot of that was me just wanting to show my family and be like, hey, look, uh, check out this guy, Dusty. Y'all got to see this guy. Yeah, it's great. I met your family. I still, yeah, I, still, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm friends with all your family. We crashed Facebook. with my family, I believe. Yeah, yeah, we crashed with your your mom the first time. We mm-hmm. crashed with your dad one time. We crashed with your brother, brother a couple yeah. of times. And then so we did that. We went to um, Seaside, Florida, to the Seaside Repertory Theater. Taylor Gates, we stayed with his family that first time. Yeah, the fir- oh, man. It. it was so fancy, <laughs> And Susan and Uncle Richard. We had steak and lobster one night. I mean, they, they hooked it up. And they kept asking us about like our career and what we want, and we were like, Listen, we can't believe we're even here. Yeah. Like yeah. Taylor and we had here. we did two shows on a Sunday night and we sold out both of them and it was awesome. So good that we decided we would go back July 4th every year and we did for like 5 years. Yes. And they we never sold out another show. I mean, sometimes we could Every bear- now and then I think we would sell out I think we would maybe sell out one show a trip if yeah. that. There were a couple of trips that, you know, the whole weekend was pretty underwhelming sometimes we were struggling to get people out at all but we had a good time we made some good friends with people because we would stay after that we started staying with the um with the staff because they Mm -hmm. had a a theater staff so we would you know they would have their own little apartment and then Mm -hmm. once a year we would come you know barreling in taking over they'd put us in the parade yeah we did the parade a couple times we were driving golf carts um yeah, well, and the thing about it that was great was, you know, I always saw it like, listen, it's a vacation. Let's go work our material. Let's see who who we meet, you know, and we met some really cool people. And, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar, Seaside, Florida is where they filmed the Truman Show. That so it's true. a very unique uh, part of Florida and it's a very unique kind of community. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where I was like, hey, even if the shows aren't great, Let's go to Seaside. Let's yeah, just have started, a vacation. Let's we started eat. building a whole tour around mm-hmm. it. We would go all kinds of places. And you know, and that's the thing. If you're if you're new at comedy and you're looking for ways to get on the road, I mean, we would just reach out to bars and to clubs and to things like that, and we would set up these tours. I mean Just do it like three or three to five months in advance. Yeah. Let them know when you're trying to come in. We Let them know what you got going on. Doing. I mean, one tour we called Pancakes and Canadian Bacon. Right. And it was a hot lineup. Yeah, it was. It was uh, That was Hannah Hogan. Yeah. That was Vince Fabra, me, you. Yeah, that um, trip, Pancakes and Canadian Bacon, is where I started wearing the hat. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. me and Evan went on, this was uh, probably 2016. We went to Montgomery, Alabama. And we went on the news. Me and Evan. That was 2016, yes. Yeah, me and Evan got on the local news. Yeah. And I wore a hat because I just thought it was the silliest thing. I wore it. I had a great time. And then that weekend, after our tour, I went to Indianapolis, Crackers, and I wore the hat on stage for the first time. And 
Man, I loved it. And I'll never forget when we were on the news and, and like, you know, the, the news anchor that was interviewing us was trying to set us up for some jokes. And you told your joke that was, uh, yeah, you know, my parents were divorced and then there was a custody, custody battle. So, you know, my mom lost. Jeez, I've been telling that joke a long you know, time. So I had to go live with her, right? <laughs> yeah. But you told that joke and the woman just goes, oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She did not get comedy. She did not get humor. I just thought that that was funny. My friend Stephen Pond was actually watching, and he sent us the photo and the screenshot. That's oh, yeah. now the one that's you know that. Um, but that was a, that was that was a great trip. We met Josh Joshua Motes. Oh yeah, that same day. That's how we got the black and Took white some photos. Amazing portraits of us indie film lab and and um and, and that's that's yeah. on the back of my CD. If you have a physical copy of the Son of a Ditch CD, it's that photo. Mm-hmm. That was the first photo I had with the hat. And so you know this is. For me, this is a good lesson for people that are always talking about building their brand. They're always like, I want to build my brand. I want to build my brand. The best way to build your brand is to let it happen organically out on the road. I didn't, I I wasn't sitting around thinking, all right, how can I craft my look? I just put on the hat and it felt like that I was King Arthur pulling the sword out of the stone. I just felt like, this is me. This hat fits me. Yeah, and we weren't we weren't necessarily trying to do anything specific. We were just trying to get out there into new cities, tell jokes, you know, meet new people, you know, bounce ideas off of each other, basically get better every night because we knew that we needed to. Yeah. We, there was no real goal in mind other than, listen, we have these eight or nine days off of work. Let's just try and and do a route that makes sense. And what we would always do, if you remember, we would always split the venues. We would do like three or four venues that were legitimate comedy venues that we knew there would be a crowd. We knew it was going to be a more formal setting. And then we would do like two venues that we knew were just going to be weird dive bars where, you know, there's no real, there's no real artistic anything going on there, but we're going to do that type of room. And then, one bar in some part of Georgia for three guys and a couple of dogs. A couple of dogs. <laughs> Man, that was the best. That was the best. Well, was that Clayton, Georgia or something? I think so. Carrollton. Carrollton, Georgia. Carrollton, actually, there's a guy named Drew, and yeah. I can't think of his last name right now, but Drew has come out to see me in, in, an, mm-hmm. in another city, and I don't even remember what city that was. Well, and but. those are the moments that end up really kind of defining, what is that? Yeah. you know, yeah. Drew Drew Hobson. Drew starts with an H, I think. Yeah, but, great guy. But those are the moments, and like we would do these tours, and we knew a few of the shows would be wild cards, a few of the shows would be packed sellouts, uh, and a few would just be whatever. Um, and that was the fun of it was getting all of this different experience in this like very short window of time. Um, yeah, because I mean, then when we did the Carrollton, Georgia show for four people, well, I think the night after that, we were in Jacksonville for a packed crowd. Yeah. I and mean, it was awesome, and we all yeah, crushed. Show. And we all crushed. And we did that tour a lot of times. We took, uh, it was mainly me and Evan, but we took, Vince Faber went on the most with us. Mm-hmm. Hannah went with us once, maybe twice. Uh, Jordan Jensen. Jordan Jensen, who's went, now blown up. Yeah, and then Derek Humphrey went mm-hmm. with us on one. And yep. We, and we had uh, even Danny Green went one time. It was just me yeah. And Danny well, I was supposed to, to I was supposed to go to Seaside, and then uh, my my grandma passed away. Yeah. Um. And uh, so and me I was and Danny went. Yeah. Danny had no business doing fifteen minutes. I had no business doing an hour. And but we did it. 
Yeah, and I think you stayed at one of my friends' houses. I mean, it was all very Somehow weird. Somehow we got, yeah, like one of your friends let us stay in a house, and it was very nice. We actually right. had a lot of people over there, and but Taylor Gates was there too. Right, so that was right. that was some of his yeah, fault. Exactly. Right, right. Um, but no, I mean, th- those days, I-, I loved those days because it was very much, you know, like you're talking about, people want to talk about how do you build a brand? Like, how do you do it? You just have to put yourself out there in a way yeah. that's that's a bit more meaningful than is this gonna hit? Is this gonna connect with people? You just do it. You just do just it. Just do it. Just do it. You know, and and I think that that's you know, there's a lot of people now to your point that maybe saw us in Carrollton, Georgia, or maybe saw us in Birmingham, but when we are in Atlanta, they come out. Yeah. When we're in, you know, when when our when our you know when we cross paths. You know, they come out and, and a lot of times, and I think this is why you've been so successful, Dusty, uh, is because you got to shake hands. You got to meet people and, and people want to have a personalized experience with you. It's not a just it's not just about putting out a viral video on Instagram. People want to know you're a real person that sees them. Right. And I also like that too. I mean, I think that's really fun to meet people. I mean, I did a lot of other jobs and it's not, I mean, two people last night were at the show and they had, they come to see me in Tampa a couple of times and they were like, we just happened to be in Vegas. We saw you were here. We came and it's amazing because they feel like they feel invested. They feel like I saw him then I see him now and I can't wait to see where this goes. And people from all over the country come to see me that saw me at the Grand Old Opry. In Seattle, like the host brought me up and he said, you know, he said, you may have seen him on The Tonight Show. You, may have, you know, they do that. And then he said, and you might have seen him at the Grand Old Opry. And I, I went up and I said, I bet no one in this audience saw me at the Grand Old Opry. And then two people came up to me after, and they go, "We saw you." Yeah. At the, so the Grand Old Opry really has some well. That's reach. well. That's my favorite credit of yours too. Is the Grand Old Opry? Like I think I love it. Like too. that's my favorite credit Ten of times yours. I've done the Grand Old Opry. I mean, you're again look. country music legend, and uh, and that's that's what you're doing there. But again, to summarize, you want people to buy stock in what it is that you're doing. You don't want them to just um, you know watch you and throw it away. You want people that feel like they have something at stake. In, in your success. And that yes. is what uh, building that foundation and that groundwork does. And again, to your to, to that what I said earlier, I think that's why you, uh, Dusty, um, you know, have such a connection with your audiences. Yes, thank you. And some people have sent me questions, and I will get back to those questions at some point. But I think for this podcast, let's just talk about some bombing stories. Oh, yeah. Um, and let's um uh let me just read a couple of these and um and then um and you know just so I can share the I don't share their names but um I just uh I like to read the bombing stories because I want people to know that are listening that people bomb all the time people bomb in all kinds of settings in everything and you got to get up from it. And it says, this, is, this isn't a story about bombing as a comedian, but bombing as a band. I was playing with my rock and roll band. And one time we were playing at this bar who kept telling us to turn down our volume. Everyone who was in the front room went to the back room during our set. The bar made us turn down so much that we couldn't hear my guitar over the drums. Even when I angled it, up at my head. I can't read. Near the end of this set, we just cranked the volume back up. When we finished our set, 
we noticed that the jukebox was playing at a volume louder than the bar allowed us to play. Then all the people came out from the back room into the main room. Uh, we then walked around the bar and shook everyone's hand who had left during our set and thanked them for coming. Still got paid, too. So, you know, you can bomb in all kinds of settings. I mean, I don't – I mean, it's pretty a pretty bad bomb when everyone leaves the room. Yeah. That's I mean, – that's. I, you know, I one of my first times uh, in comedy, I was doing a bar in – Isle of Palms, outside of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, and it was a showcase that Dave Ugly had put together. Shout out to Dave Ugly. And I was up there, and my first two jokes, uh, I told a joke. uh, This is the joke. I don't tell jokes like this anymore, but I told this joke. I said, uh, I was reading a bottle of shampoo the other day, and I noticed that there were instructions on how to use shampoo. I couldn't believe it. I thought, how hard could it be? You just put some in your hand and jerk off. (laughs) (laughs) And that joke crushed. And then I did one more, and it crushed. I mean, people were banging on the wall. I mean, it was rocking. And then my next joke bombed. And nowadays, you know, it's like if I do a couple of jokes, and they go well, and then I do one that bombs, I move on. I wave. I say we're having a good time, and I move on, right? But – I was so terrified now that I was bombing. I took two friends with me, and and I said, uh, you know, I said, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? And then and then some guy, a guy clapped. It was my friend, and I looked over at him. I go, this guy knows what I'm talking about, and he turns his back to me. He, com- I was bombing so bad that even my friend didn't want to acknowledge it. Um, this guy, he says. Um, I'm a 19-year-old stand-up comic from New York City who has bombed quite a bit in my time on the stage as a stand-up comic and as other things that we could get into if you want on my podcast. Oh, okay. This is he didn't even have a story. He just said well, he bombed. Well, I mean, but to your point, if you're 19 years old and you're a stand-up, you should be bombing. <laughs> I mean, you should be. Yeah. I mean, no one's good <laughs> when they're that age. I mean, it's Okay, let's see. Um all right. Well, what? A, let's see. I live in America's Dairyland, Wisconsin, and I am a true farm girl. When I was in college, I was Adams County Fair's fairest of the fair, a great honor. Part of being the fairest of the fair is competing to represent the Wisconsin State Fair as the fairest of the fairs. Uh, and I wanted that so bad. So bad. All we, caps. we wanted it for you. The competition isn't a beauty pageant, more like an interview process, but you still have to strut your stuff on stage at the big finale event of the fair's convention. We were told to introduce ourselves and what county we were from. I didn't want to say I'm blank representing Adams County. I wanted to really stand out. I asked Alice in Dairyland, parentheses, Wisconsin agricultural ambassador and another great Wisconsin tradition. In parentheses. I can't read. Uh, I asked Alice in Dairyland, who was helping with our stage presence and such, what I should do to really – oh, I asked her what I should do to really stand out. And she suggested that I share helping with our stage presence and such. Oh, <laughs> you're <saying> <laughs> I can't read. She, so she said she should share uh, your favorite, mem- favorite memory. Here. Yeah, she said that you should share uh, uh, your your favorite memory from the fair. Okay. Um, so it was close to showtime, and she didn't really have time uh, 
or to run the, her memory past the That's person that she thing. asked, right? But it was a great memory uh, about her cousins, and she always laughs about it. So she said, how, how could this be bad? But she did not have time to run it by the person who she initially asked advice for. The big finale awards event starts. We strut on stage, and being from Adams County, I am one of the first people to introduce myself. I walk to center stage with a bright light shining, and with a big smile on my face, I say, my name is blank, and I am from Adams County. Where my favorite fair memory is the time that all my cousins and I duct taped our youngest cousin to a pole in his underwear. And there was dead silence. Needless to say, I was not selected as Wisconsin's fairest of the fairs. In the end, it's okay if everyone remembers me as the weird girl. I'd rather be weird and do what I want than have to fit in in the mold of being an official spokesperson. Yeah, there you go. If you have any follow-up questions, please let me know. Well, I will say uh, that's great. It's good to stay true to yourself, but uh, you know, if the being the fairest of the fair meant something to you, you gotta you gotta try. You, you gotta fall in line. You yeah, know I mean? you but know. I, I applaud you for doing that. I mean, I feel sorry for your youngest cousin. I hope that he's okay. Yeah, uh, that's pretty embarrassing, pretty humiliating, to be honest. And uh, I think you're. But that's got to be hard too. That's your entire community, right? Like, there's just between like being, you know, being from like where you're like you're, like you're in Nashville. Yeah. You maybe go to Minneapolis. You don't have a great set. Like, this is your, this is your that's community. That's you know, true. so that that can be tough. I appreciate you sending that, and I'm sorry that I can't read. I hope that people listening that's, are able to. Uh, we had a late night last night, early morning this morning. Yeah, we're all so over. The place. I still have more to read, but I will do more as I go along. And uh, I appreciate that. I'd like to read a couple as we go. And uh, Evan, if you have a bombing story yeah. that you'd like to share. Well, I've got a couple. I mean, one in particular that really stands out to me happened in um, spring of 2018. This is the last time I really, really bombed. I was in Atlanta, uh, as some of you might know, as you definitely know, I was working for TMZ at the time. Okay. I was interviewing celebrities. I was going around. And, and at the time, I was in Atlanta hiring and training you know, permanent staff down there. And... I found myself at this club called the Ivory, and this was a place where like a lot of the Love and Hip Hop Atlanta cast hung out, and so we were like, you know, we were in there, we were like, we weren't just stalking people, like we were invited in, we were hanging out, and the woman who ran this club, her name is Deb Atney, uh, Ms. Deb is her nickname, and this is the mother of Waka Flocka Flame, the rapper. Okay. And so she is a big-time music manager. She helped launch Gucci Mane's career. She helped launch Nicki Minaj's career. Obviously, her son, Waka Flocka Flame. And, you know, one of her things is she runs this club. And so I interview her. We're having a great afternoon, you know, and I tell her, like, I do comedy. And she goes, oh, you do comedy? Well, we do comedy here at the Ivory on Fridays and Saturday nights, and you should come out tonight. Let me see what you got. And I was like, you know what? Let's do it. This was an all-urban room. I'm not afraid of all-urban rooms. I've done them before. I'm not afraid of really any room. I like to challenge myself. So I was like, you know what? I got this. I'm from Atlanta. You know, but I hadn't been doing comedy as aggressively. You know, while, I, while I was working for TMZ, I was very much focused on that. You know, And um, you know, so it was the kind of thing where like, the show was at like 9 o'clock that night. And I didn't really have time to go home in between like my work day and the show. And so I ended up just like hanging out at this club for hours. Um, I, you know, had dinner there. 
I you know, probably went to my car and hung out and smoked weed in my car just to kill time. And then showtime comes, and it's like 8.39, and this is one of those like grown and sexy crowds. You know what I mean? Like everyone's out there to have a great night. People are buying bottle service. People are smoking hookahs. You know, great hip-hop is playing, and they decide they're going to put me on first. Perfect. Great and, spot. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I am the, like, the only white person in the room, let alone the lineup. Right. And so, but I'm still like, you know what? I got this. Like, I got this. I was way too confident, and... Basically, I went up there and I tried to heighten the 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 energy in the room. I went up there and I tried to be like, "What's up, everybody? Who's ready to laugh tonight?" <laughs> and they were not on board with that level of energy right off the top, you know, especially from me, right? And so, I think I told my first joke where I was like, "By a round of applause, who's in love tonight?" With smoking weed. And like that got like a good laugh, got like a good response. I think I maybe told one other joke about weed that did okay. But then I tried to tell a joke about smoking weed with your parents. And that's where I lost the crowd. Like completely lost them. Um, Kept trying to tell jokes, crickets. And then at one point I saw someone in the front row like try and cover his mouth and he went... Boo. But he like covered his mouth, did it, but I'm like making eye contact with him like while he does it. So I'm like up there bombing. I'm getting booed off the stage basically, and I just see Ms. Deb in the back. We're like locking eyes, and I could initially – her she was smiling like, oh my gosh, like he's making him laugh. And then I just saw her her face turn when it started to go poorly, and it went it went so bad – and I, you know, it was a combination of being so tired, and I had been there all day. Never before in my life have I done this before, where I got off the stage, and I walked right out the back door. <laughs> like I didn't walk back to the bar. I didn't walk to like the other part of the restaurant. Like literally, I got off the stage, went to the left, because like right behind the stage was the back door. Got off the stage, went right to the back door. And I decided though to hear what the, how the host what the how the host was going to address this. And no joke, the host went up there and was like, "Man, whew, let's talk about what he just did wrong." <laughs> and he just rattled off all the things that I did wrong. And I'm listening. Do you remember those things? Yeah. So one thing that he initially mentioned was very much to me. He goes, "Evan, number one, he was like black people." Do not smoke weed with their parents. We go to church with our parents. He was like, so that's some white people shit you're talking about. Don't bring that in here. He was like, second of all, man, you're yelling at us. Why are you yelling at us? <laughs> you know, and, um, and, he just, and he just went through it. And, um, and here's what I'll say. So, here, here's what I learned that night, though. Some some of these rooms, I think <laughs> they they want somebody like you to come out and do that so they can roast you because that jacks up the energy, right? And in in the the guy who was hosting, he's a comedian in Atlanta. His name is Bo P. Okay, you know, I've Bo, heard of Bo P. Yeah, Bo P. Um, super nice guy. I've seen him since. Done comedy with him since. Did much better. Um, you know, and. Um, and but what, what, the thing that I learned that night, because I, I truly believe that there's no such thing as bombing. It's either you crush or you learn. And that night I learned that you have to match 
the energy of the room. And if you want to raise the energy level in the room, well, then you need to come in at the same energy level and then push it up. But you can't come in a notch or two higher because the audience, you're not bringing the audience with you to where you are. And ever since then, I have not gone into a room being like, I'm going to, I'm going to just come in all hype and all energy. I said, I'm going to come in. I'm going to match the energy of the room. But by the end of my set, we will be one or two notches higher. Well, yeah, I mean, I have one speed of energy, so I don't know, um, you know, I, I, I never, I always felt like that if the comic in front of me was very high energy and was crushing, that I should come in at that same energy, but it doesn't work for me. So I, I, I learned to just come in and just do my thing, whatever that thing is. I've never been a fan of comedy where people come out yelling. I, I always felt like that that what you say, like, if you are going to be a comic that yells, have a range of volume in what you're doing. That way, when you do yell, there's impact to it. The same way I feel about cussing on stage. If you're going to do it, have a place for it. That way it has impact. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you come out like, what the F is up? Yeah. It's like you've already wasted it. It's like you got- I came out like, who's ready to laugh tonight? Yeah, yeah. And they were just like, dude. Yeah. We were. We were ready to laugh until you just came out. Right. But then, yeah, I mean, the host, I mean, that's why I am a big fan of a host roasting comics because uh, (laughs) especially if they don't do well, it may hurt that comic's pride, but it's like uh, someone bombing can ruin the energy of a show. So if you're able to come out and roast them a bit, you get it back. But what I will say, you know, and I, I remember calling my girlfriend that night because I told her, I was like, babe, I'm super excited. I'm about, like, Waka Flocka's mom just asked me to perform on her comedy show. Like, I'm super excited. And I remember calling her after. And and the one thing that she said, because I'm pretty sure I got back out there the next night or two and did an open mic. And she was like, I've got to commend you. Like, you bombed really hard the other night. I wasn't there, but you told me. She was like, you bombed really hard, but you got back out there. I was like, well, yeah, that's. That's that's what you, that's what I have to do, and that's what we all got to do. And and again, I this was April, this was spring of 2018, and I've had good sets, I've had not so good sets, but I haven't really bombed um, yeah. at a, at a show since um, since that night. Yeah, and you do have to get back out there. I mean, totally have to brush that off. You have to go back out there. You have to do it. I mean, and sometimes, I mean. Sometimes it's like you got, you know, I feel like you got to realize that there are certain rooms that, you know, like, you know, like I don't do well in urban rooms, right? So I don't really like doing it. I've done a bunch. I don't mind. I will do it. But I prefer not to because I don't do well and I don't need that. And but but also it's like some comics are really loud and it's like maybe you don't need to do coffee house comedy. Right. You know, maybe you don't need to do church comedy. There's rooms that aren't built for certain people. And I think it's important when you when you know to keep because bombing is fine. If you bomb one time, you got to go do comedy again. You got to pick yourself up. But if you bomb over and over and over and over again, uh, it's going to be hard to keep your confidence up. It's going to be hard for you to want to do comedy. And I don't really consider open mic silence a bomb. Correct. Because you're trying out things. So you're building it up. So that's not really a bomb. But if you're also you're getting no laughs at the open mic, it's going to be hard to continue to do it. So, 
you know, it's all about working, changing, learning, finding what you need to do. Anytime someone tells me they did an open mic and they bombed, I'm like, no, you didn't. No one crushes the open mics. And if you do crush the open mic, well, then you're a fantastic, amazing, transcendent yeah. comedian. But I mean, I feel like I've crushed an open mic or two here. But, uh, but yeah. at the same time, but I, I, I just feel like no but one not- should be like, I bombed the open mic. It's like right. the only way you bomb the open mic is if you start attacking the comedians on stage and saying, oh, you guys are this, you guys are that. You know, yeah. open mics is not a sh- – it's very different than – you know, but I also have another bombing story, uh, you know, the, kind of similar to the one you just read in Charleston. One of the first times I ever performed, you know, because I was doing open mics and we were doing the open mic scene a lot. But then I did a show at Joe Pasta on King Street. Hot, hot Joey open Joey Jordan. Joey, oh, I remember that guy. So Joey Jordan was putting on a show. Jeez, I remember that guy. And this was the first time I had ever been put in front of a lot of my peers, like people my age in college, and I bombed so hard. And and I and and that one stung and it hurt because um it was my peers. It was people my own age. It was people I was going to see walking on campus. Oh, those are the um, And that was really tough. That one was really tough, but I was still so determined to do comedy and get better that actually I just did the Charleston Comedy Festival you know, back in January, Wolf Street Playhouse, amazing show. Um, but there were people there that were at that Joe Pasta show. And they were, you know, we were just reminiscing. They were like, man, I remember when you did that Joe Pasta show. And they're like, you know, commend you for staying with it, for getting better. But, you know, for having, you know, for, you know. It's like having a bad day at work. You're going to have a bad, people will always say that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I commend you for continuing to do it. It's like, yeah, you have a bad day at work. You don't quit your job because you had a bad day. Right. You go back in there and it's like, but it does feel good to, to do that and then come back from it. And then when people see you later, they go, because man, like, like just like that, that, that show that you did with Waka Flocka Flames, uh, mom, mom. It's like that's humiliating because she's invited you to do this show and then you bomb and it, it and it, and there's I also some, talked a big game. Yeah, I mean there's something in me at least that makes me feel like I've now let this person down. Right. And it is embarrassing. And but you know But at the end of the day I drove home and I was like, "You know what? I am still proud of myself. I was the only white person in that room. Uh I took on the challenge and I I, I mean, I got shot. I took the fall. Yeah, but but I I I took the challenge. Yeah, I mean, and those shows are hard. I mean, uh, Mike James, I had on the podcast, I think last week, and Mike James shared some stories about that. And Mike James is a black guy, and he shared stories of bombing in front of, uh, a, you know, a full on urban audience. And it's like, it's hard. I mean, that that it is an audience of people that if they're with you. It's the greatest, greatest laugh yeah. you can get. I mean, it is full on the best experience. It's a party. It's amazing. I opened for Aerie Spears one weekend in Kansas City. Had an amazing weekend. The 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 audiences. I mean, it's like they just they get physical with the laughing. But when 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 you're bombing, I've never been booed. But man, it's got quiet in there. I mean, you could hear a pin drop, and you see people's faces light up because their phones are coming out, and they're done with you. But if you, but in my opinion, and if you're taking that risk, and you are taking on challenges, and you are trying to do something different, and it just doesn't go well, don't look at it as a bomb. 
Look at it as a growth and a learning opportunity and be proud of yourself for putting yourself in a position to try and succeed in an environment where a lot of people would say, I'm not doing that show. Yeah. You know, and you know, and you learn from that. And, you know, and listen, I needed to bomb in front of Waka's mom because I haven't really bombed since right. at that level and, and that embarrassing. Yeah, and a lighter bomb will make you uh, – you won't feel as bad about because you're like, I know I bombed worse than exactly. this. All right. So how – so if people – you got a lot of stuff on your website, right? Is that EvanBurke.com? Evan Burke, Evan B-E-R-K-E.com. Yeah. You, Evan's got some videos from when he was on TMZ. He's got some comedy videos. He's interviewed a lot of cool people when he was at TMZ. He he got to talk to the the guy from Breaking Bad, Brian Cranston. Yeah, he, got, talked, he to, talked to Bill Clinton. Yeah, Kevin Hart, uh, Steven Tyler, Mark Cuban, um, Allen Iverson. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's really, interviewed all kinds of people. Yeah. Those videos are all on his website. Just go check it out. I got a little TMZ video. I was on one time. A lot of people don't know that, but I was on there and. 2015, not Evan. Evan filmed me twice to try to get me on TMZ. They would not accept it. No, and it's funny. The guy who interviewed you in Nashville is the guy who trained me yeah. when I took the job. I actually invited him to come see us in Pasadena. I hope he comes. Oh, me too, yeah. yeah. But no, it's uh, – yeah, no, we, try, we tried to put you on. I yeah, tried to interview a lot of people. Type in Dusty Slay TMZ on YouTube and you'll find it. I don't feel good about it uh, because I wasn't very funny because I was worried that TMZ was going to try to edit me to make me say something awful. But I uh, They probably tried and you probably <laughs> yeah. just gave them nothing. But it just ended up just not being that funny. I thought about actually doing a video because I have thought about other responses I would give to be more funny. And I thought about redoing the video and posting it just to do that. So I may do it. Check it out. Check Evan Burke out. He's on Instagram at Evan Burke. Mm-hmm. I don't think you use the Twitter a lot, but you're not on, too much. on Twitter I'm at on Evan Twitter Burke. Though, yeah. And um, but uh, Instagram he posts a lot mm-hmm. and uh so check us out next week, Pasadena. We have more shows in Vegas this weekend. And uh, all right, we're having a good time. Dusty, thanks so much for having me, man. Yes, thank you. Always a pleasure. Evan Burke, having a good time. Yeah.